From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy. And Corey What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, playoff picks will be announced tonight. Florida State will be in the thick of it. Rejoice. Pat Narduzzi with some damage control and talking about the talking at Monday's press conference. Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Tallahassee, Florida, 2475 Appalachian Parkway. CPTallyBar.com. That's the website. You can place your order to go if you'd like. But we recommend hanging out in the corner pocket, hanging out the den, uh, the denizens. I almost said denzians. Denizens got that one figured out five years later after doing this program with Corey. Um, trivia tonight as well. All day lunch special. So it's really not a lunch special per se. It's just a Tuesday special. Hard or soft shell tacos, beef or chicken, eight ninety nine. Bills the dude, hooking you mm. folks up. Go enjoy yourselves. Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Warchant.com, Ultimate Semble Sports Source. Five-star rating and review, please, on the podcast side of things. Thumbs up on the YouTube side of things. Uh, and Warchant.com, everything awesome resides over there, including Corey Clark's columns and live transcription. 3,000 words yesterday, big guy? Yeah, yeah, that was a lot. That was too much, actually. Mm. I mean, I just, you know, I, I we all love John Papuchas. We all love all these guys. I don't know that I need to be writing, uh, transcribing 3,000 words. Well, Watch the videos. Give me a little more persnickety in what you choose to, but you don't mm. want to leave anything out. You want to be the ultimate Samuel sports horse and have Correct. every gist of the conversation out there. Yeah, it seems to be two competing ideals, though, because we do want people to watch the videos. Mm. But if I transcribe every word, why would they watch the video? So I've got to be a little more... Uh, judicious in uh in what i put in the uh, updates and what i just say hey go watch the video for it well we got a lot of people on the website that don't like videos so this is for the people that subscribe mm. like we listen to you yeah. we cater things to You're the people welcome. that pay us money you you are welcome keep that money coming our way please um cory let's let's get right to it man big day yesterday acc announcing their augmented scheduling uh, due to the fact that they will now have 17 football playing members in 2024 and beyond Divisions still gone. Top two teams make it to Charlotte, much like this season. Uh, from three permanent opponents, now down to two. Sorry, Syracuse. We're no longer in love with you. Miami and Clemson remain Florida State's two uh, in-conference permanent members. Uh, there will be no West Coast trips in back-to-back years for the current members that are in the ACC. And we don't have the dates, Corey, but we know who Florida State will be playing in conference play next year, provided yeah. they're still in this conference. So there will be eight conference games per season for everybody now. Georgia Tech and Ireland, obviously, we know about that one. Seminoles to Ireland.com. Go get yourselves ready. Florida State's going to host in Doak Campbell Stadium next year. Boston College, North Carolina, Clemson, and the Golden Bears of Cal Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Stoked. Meanwhile, at Duke, at Miami, and gas up, boys. Let's go to Fort Worth. Shoot, let's go to Dallas, actually. Let's not go to Fort Worth. That would be TCU. Let's go to Dallas and play the ponies of SMU, Southern Methodist, Southern Methodist University. Um, 
I can't wait to get to the Lone Star State, cover some football, big-time football, Corey, ACC football thoughts. Uh, yeah, I mean, not a lot. It's kind of hard to care too much about uh, the schedule next year when you're in the midst of an 8-0 top five Woo! team you're covering this year. Um, but, yeah, I think the headline uh, is that you didn't know which team you were exactly going to play of the big the, – the, I was I about called them the big three, which is laughable. The new three that are in this conference. But going to Dallas, hey, for my purposes, I can drive to Dallas, and I'm very excited about that. And hopefully by the time they're due to go to California to play a game, maybe they're out of the conference. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's the big headline is the one game – the road game is Dallas. Obviously, you knew you'd be going to uh, Miami again, and and you knew you'd be going to Ireland for Georgia Tech. So, and you get what Carolina at home and Correct. Cal at home. Yeah. So, those are the two the the ones you weren't sure. You you know who you're playing next year. You still don't know when, uh, but you know who and where, just not when. Yeah. So, uh, the non back to back years going to the West Coast. That's you know listen. This is not an ideal marriage, everybody. We get it. I'm being a little bit tongue-in-cheek with my enthusiasm for this. Um, but, I mean, some concessions were made, I guess, you know, to not make these teams, these original, not the original 14, but whatever, the current 14 teams, not have to go to California in back-to-back years. Obviously, Stanford, the other program out west. Uh, so that's, I guess, like a nice, you know, gesture on the part of this conference. But, yeah, this is supposed to go from, what, 2024 to 2030? This is the way the scheduling yeah. is going to go. Is 2030, that's, is that when the GOR expires? Is that why 30? No. Are you kidding? Oh, 36. People would, yeah, people would love that. No. Yeah. I think it's just why go, don't make a schedule 13 mm. years in, the, in, okay. in advance. Um, and then, you know, if you are uh, worrying, not worrying, but wondering, I guess is the word I was looking for, Florida State will play in Palo Alto uh, at Stanford in 2025. So they will have a California trip. And I would recommend going if Florida State's still around. It's a really pretty part of the world. Mm. They'll probably win. Uh, but it's not a great program right now, and it's uh, you know it's a it's a cool campus, a lot of very famous great athletes and great scientists, and the woman that started uh um what they what was the banks no no she's no, ours no she's, she's ours. a Florida State oh the, the, she just Elizabeth went to jail. Holmes Elizabeth Holmes yeah. Thana, I want to call Thana. it Thanos but that's not right <laughs> Theranos is that what it was. <laughs> Yeah, she didn't start there. So she went to Stanford. So you got a lot of connections there, gang. So, uh, yeah, so uh, they they play at Stanford 2025. I don't know why anybody would care beyond 25, uh, because, again, that's assuming you're even in the conference in 26. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to talk about a a game that's three years away. But headlines, you're at Dallas next year against SMU. You play Cal at home. And then the following year, you're uh, at Stanford. And you've got SMU at home, I think. No, you don't. You've got Pitt at home. Mm. So, uh, by the way, uh, Miss Blakely, you're not ours. I'm sorry, I didn't, you're, you're no one's possession. You are a, a girl. No, you're a, you're a boss. I was yeah. gonna say girl boss. That's what the 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 kids say. She's not a kid. She's a grown woman. She's right. a billionaire. She's killing it. Um, all right, then. So yeah, that's the scheduling. Everybody, rock and roll, hoochie coo. Uh, let's get to uh, actually some cool things here, Corey. This will be. Uh, Florida State's last regular season game in the state of California was 97 against USC. Yeah. But we've been there twice since, uh, semifinal national championship mm-hmm. game. Yep. Uh, Knowles, last road game in the state of Texas, North Texas State back in 76. Oh, I think that was a snow game. Okay. Uh, it was uh, like half the guy, half the, more than half the team had never seen snow, so they enjoyed it. And I think they won. They had a couple uh, long, like 90 yard. Uh, touchdowns in that game to win the game yeah uh 
Florida State has been A&M back in 92 and Oklahoma yeah. State in the state of Texas. So That's there's right. that. That's right. Um, but hey, real quick again, big picture, though. Not a bad schedule next year. You're in Ireland. Again, as we yeah. said, you host Boston College, you host North Carolina, you host Clemson, you host Cal at Duke, at Miami, at SMU. Uh, you're also at Notre Dame November 9th. Yeah. Um, Florida home game. Um, I don't know, not, maybe not big boy schedule, but man, that's maybe that'll keep this guy that's talking right now a little bit more entertained, a little bit more uh, less bored. I mean, hey, man, you get Notre Dame, Clemson, North Carolina, SMU. Florida, Miami, like all on the same slate, like ain't hey, too shabby for a uh, for for the, for the Knowles in this little ACC conference. So yeah, and I did notice uh, again. I, I I don't know if we knew this or not, but they say the the, the release says they're playing Florida at home on November thirtieth. Uh, so that would be a Saturday. And mm. again, the last time you hosted Florida it was a Friday, so I don't know if people were wondering about that, but uh, that will be a Saturday game next year where you host Florida and a tune up Charleston Southern the weekend before. Yeah. So uh, let's keep that uh, let's keep that a tradition. So we're uh, always ready to go for that one. All right. Uh, Mondays, uh, we hang out with the coaching staff, Mike Norvell, coordinators. But I was really curious to see what Pat Narduzzi was going to say, Corey, uh, at his press conference on Monday uh, after the comments he made following their drubbing 58-7 to at the hands of Notre Dame. Again, man, I don't really think it was anything inflammatory or derogatory I guess it got interpreted that way online. He did damage control via Twitter on Sunday morning when he saw the Flames being fanned. And then Monday, his opening statement uh, consisted of a a mea culpa of sorts. I'm going to go ahead and play that for us now, Corey. So let's listen to Pat Narduzzi Monday. Whoops, my bad, everybody. You know, there's nothing worse than a loss. Um, You know, loss, you know, hurt. And... And, you know, the first thing I do is jump on a plane and I'm watching the video on my iPad. But, you know, the loss hurts. You know, everybody in that locker room is hurt. Um, but when you feel like your players are hurt, you know, by something the head coach said, it, that hurts you even worse. It makes you sick to your stomach. So um, I didn't get a whole lot of sleep on Saturday night. I can promise you that. I mean, I was pretty sincere for a pretty gruff guy like Narduzzi, man. Uh, I, I'm really curious to see what the players say today, if anything, I, I know they have interviews. It shows on their schedule. They have interviews on Tuesdays. I don't know if that's players or just the coaches again, but um, maybe they get like a dead cat bounce out of this. Maybe they do rally around Narduzzi and we've got ourselves a 58 uh, minute football game in pit. What, what do you take away from uh, Narduzzi's uh, comments Monday at the podium? Uh, yeah, man, I like Pat Narduzzi uh, uh, quite a bit, actually. Uh, I watched his whole press conference because I wanted to see that part, but I also wanted to see just what he said about Florida State. And I just like the way he carries himself, the way he comports himself. Um, he was asked multiple times about it. Um, was it. Is it being overblown? I don't know, man. You can say, yeah, and I'm not saying you're saying it's overblown, but, uh, you know, you could look at it and say it was a miss. He misspoke, uh, which is what he kind of claimed to say. And then one of the reporters was like, well, you said you meant to say something else, and it got in you, and you actually said the wrong thing. What did you mean to say? And he's oh, like, "Well, look, no. I don't even. We we're done with it. I don't <laughs> want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to address it and give it any more life than it's already has." But he said he met with them. He thinks it went well. Uh, basically, as we all know, he he called. He said his players aren't very good. They're not. They're not talented enough. Uh, that's that's uh, you know paraphrasing, but that's what he said. But I love when they. I, I just love when grown-ups uh, hold themselves accountable and admit mistakes. Mm. It's a sign of being a grown-up, man. He said something dumb. It's also true. 
Look at what Pitt has been the last few years, and look at that team this year. Now, they might be saving a great game for Saturday, but uh, they just lost by 51 points to a good, not incredible Notre Dame team. Uh, They lost by 17 to Virginia Tech. Other than Louisville, they've lost and lost almost badly to everybody they face. Now, the Louisville game was a great win for them. They They got outgained by almost 200 yards. It was a goofy, weird game. The point being, this is not a typical Pitt team. Now, we're not talking about the late 70s Pitt, early 80s, Dan Marino, Tony Dorsett. Those, the, this pro, that program will never be that again. But they've been a pretty nice program, right, Aslan, for the last, I feel like, really, I don't know, man, 10 years, 8 years? I, I don't know. They've been pretty good with Narduzzi. Absolutely, they've been a bowl yeah. team. Yeah. They've been a 7 or 8 win team. They won the well, conference. Right now they're, yeah, they're 2 and 6. Uh, so this is not a typical Pitt team. So when you watch them play and they lose by 51 points, yeah, you can point to that team and say that's not – uh, they're not as good as they were last year, which is essentially what he was saying. It just, it get, you know, you worry about hurting players' feelings when you say they're just not very good because that puts it more on them than on we're not coaching them better. And then he went out of his way time and again on Monday in his press conference to say, yeah, we've got to coach better. I've got to coach better. We've got to coordinate better, all that stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I, did, I liked it. I thought I, I would encourage people to go watch it. After you go watch all the – the press conferences from Florida State that that Aslan recorded on uh, on Monday and uploaded for you fine folks. Mm. Go watch Narduzzi's press conference because I I like the back and forth with the reporters um, and he's I, he's a uh, he's a pretty interesting guy to listen to. I kind of want to go back and see if, man they got one reporter up there that's been getting beat up like worse than than me uh, back in the day. Just like he's had three things not go his way. Uh, so I, I, maybe I'll go back and listen to that. Can you can you let us know did what did he say about Florida State? Is did he get on the Clawson? Uh, Elko train, uh, bending the knee, uh, lamenting yes, uh, the, the the thrashing that might be at, at uh, his feet on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, he said it's the the best team they've faced. Um, that Jordan Travis is elite. Um, somebody asked him, like, well, you know, you talked about their offense. What what can you? How do you stop this offense or slow it down? And he just kind of laughed and said, Well, look, they've got Johnny Wilson on one side, Keon Coleman on another side, and if you cover them. He can Jordan Travis can run, and he brought up the. He also talked about the game three years ago because they played him in 2020. They played Florida State during the COVID season. Um, Jordan Travis got hurt, I think, late in the second quarter of that game, and after he had like an 85-yard touchdown run, and then uh, really didn't play at all in the second half. And Pitt rolled, like beat beat them badly, beat Florida State badly. And he talked about Jordan Travis. He's like he's not the same guy. He's not the same guy. He's he's much better. Um, he's still that athlete. And he goes, what I like about him is he's got some swagger to him, too. Hmm. Like when he runs and finishes runs, he's like a linebacker. Like he gets up and he, he feels good about himself. He'll pound his chest. Uh, he'll he'll signal first down like he he has some swagger about him and he's a great leader for them is what he said. And it's true. And that he I don't think he was asked much about the defense. He, in fact, he wasn't. He was just asked about the offense. And he said it's, you know, obviously, as we all know, a very good offense um, with playmakers everywhere. He oh, he did say that, um, you, you know, verse he he was asked about Florida State's secondary because, uh, you know, Florida State's secondary. I don't, I don't think they gave up a touchdown pass in the month of October. Mm-hmm. Um and he was just asked about that. People are completing less than 50% of their passes here recently against Florida State. And he goes, well, every good secondary has a great defensive line. Mm. And he goes, these guys, he goes, J- Jared Verse is a, he's a game wrecker. 
the kid on, he, he talked about Patrick Payton on the other side. They have two elite edge rushers, and they have very good, very experienced defensive linemen. So he kind of said what they all say. Um, you know, he wasn't bending, he wasn't basically saying we have no chance. Mm. You know, he talked about trying to get a win. They're planning to win. They expect to win. But he knows it's going to be a very tall order on Saturday. Mm. It was a tall order to get through Monday. It was languishing, Corey. Um, you know, long weekend. Like, man, what am I going to do to get out of this funk? I got to, I got to run errands. I got to get to the gym. I'm like, oh yeah, I have a sponsor. They're called Vitamin Energy. I have a whole bunch of them in my house. So I came home, cracked open the Vitamin Energy Workout Plus Sour Apple flavor. Just took a half shot, Corey. So whatever 1.93 fluid ounces is, divide that by two. And I took it. And within 30 minutes, I'm like, all right, get up. Let's go. Let's go. Like I almost yelled as as if Ray Pereira or James B or one of our pillars, Shane Kirkley, uh, just dropped the bag on me. Got up, killed it in the gym. Felt good. No sugar crash. No down. No 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 jitters. None of it, man. Just coasted right into the rest of my Monday. Watched that ACC schedule show and had a great night. All in one little bottle, which you folks can get your hands on. First-time customers, use that promo code WARCHAMPBOGO, WARCHAMPBOGO. You'll buy one, you'll get one free. But if you really know how to win in life, you'll get like three or four because then you'll get three or four for free because you can only use it one time, everybody. Should have told you that probably seven months ago. Oops, my bad. But it's all there. VitaminEnergy.com, energy with benefits. Shake it and take it. VitaminEnergy.com, promo code WARCHAMPBOGO, B-O-G-O. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Corey, uh, let's talk about Florida State and what they talked about the podium on Monday. I liked, uh, I, I saw a little assertiveness out of the coaches, namely Adam okay. Fuller, uh, Mike Norvell. Mike, I don't know if he's now, he's maybe surrendered the fact that, or he's resigned himself to the fact that this uh, conference, its referees, not great and don't particularly do any favors for this program. I saw a lot of people kind of jump out of their seats, if you could, uh, on the internet over on the Tribal Council Warchant.com. Really excited that he talked about Jordan not getting the calls when he slides. Yeah. Um, and it, it, he said it kind of matter-of-factly, but it was it was well-stated. Just basically, you see Jordan continue to slide, and he keeps getting hit. So what's the point of sliding? Uh, your thoughts on him being a little bit uh, defending his guy? I completely agree with what he's saying. He, he he basically said, what's the point of sliding if he's going to get hit anyway? Like we're, we're, he's like, we're losing yardage to slide, to start that slide earlier, and he's still getting tackled when he comes to the ground. But again, this is something I brought up two or three weeks ago. I Most of the time when it comes to something like this, I don't blame the defender. Hmm. You were talking about one of the most elusive quarterbacks in the country that has run has had multiple 50-yard touchdown runs. He also ran for a basically a game-winning field goal drive on a game winning field goal drive two years ago one time where it looked like he was going to go out of bounds and they cut it back up field against Syracuse uh the champagne game um so my my point being I I would like him to slide the way he slides to me is a little problematic because 
he he can bounce off guys and he can make guys miss and he can lean forward for first downs. And then sometimes you don't know whether he's going to do that or whether he's going to run right up to contact and then duck down real quick. And when that happens, and I'm not saying that's every time, there have been some egregious ones that it's quite frankly absurd haven't been called. But other ones, he's sliding down right when a guy thinks he's going to have to try to tackle this elusive dude in the open field. And so he's going low to try to tackle Jordan Travis low or tackle him from behind and dive at his legs. And then Jordan Travis goes down so quick, he's hitting him in the back or hitting him in the head. Uh, it's just I, I asked Norvell about it. I, don't, I didn't phrase it well a couple of weeks ago. Um I like that Jordan slides a lot. I'd like him to get first down, you know, past the first down marker before he does that. But then, um, you know, he slides so quickly sometimes that these defenders are in a really tough uh, predicament uh, because it's not, you know, it's who name somebody that's slow. It's not Drew Bledsoe running for 12 yards and you know, he's not going to make a safety miss. Jordan Travis in the open field. If he makes one guy miss, okay, now that went from a 12 yard first down run to a 60 yard touchdown. We haven't seen it this year. He doesn't do it a lot, but he's capable of it, and they know he's capable of it. So it'd be like uh, Castellanos, Castellanos, like running right up to Jared Burse or, let's say, Bethune, and then sliding down real quick as Bethune's diving for his legs. It's it's tough to it's tough for these defenders to uh um to to to, to know to 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 know when that's going to happen. At the same time, it's not tough for the officials to call Florida State for four or five personal fouls at Wake, but. What are we? We know the deal here, gang. We know the deal. I did like Norvell sticking up for Travis, though. Um, my counter, though, as I just said, was you know he does slide late sometimes, and it's hard for the def- defense in some instances. I'm not saying all. In some instances, to know that he's actually sliding. Yeah, I don't disagree with what you've said, but just curious. Interesting that the coach would would have his back on, and, he, and he's not wrong either. Not that you're saying he is, but well, it and is I such wanted a to bang bring up, bang situation. It is, man, and it's it's really tough when these quarterbacks that are such good runners. And I mean, what did Jordan Travis run for 25 touchdowns in his career? I, I don't know, probably somewhere in that neighborhood, 20 to 25 touchdowns. It's hard for a defender to be like you can't treat him like a normal quarterback because he's not. And that goes for across the country, man. They all can run. Um, but I, I did think it was interesting when he was talking about the DJ Lundy play. Um, if you guys don't remember, it was uh, was it the second second half. They get a stop uh, in in the uh, maybe it was the first half. I can't remember. It was one. Hey, it was either the first half or the second <laughs> half, gang. If I if it happened in '96, I could tell you what half it was. But um, they get a stop for a tackle for loss. And then DJ Lundy at the very end, I guess as the whistle is blowing, throws the kid down a little too aggressively for the referee. Mike Norvell's point was there had been a play earlier in the game when they didn't blow the whistle and the pile kept moving a little bit. And it moved, it didn't move much, but it moved about a yard and a half. And so the defenders are taught, we've got to push him back, push them back. Don't get pushed. Don't get pushed back yourself. Push the running back back. And we've seen this all the time in football. I think the ACC is really bad about letting piles go on for too long where they don't blow the whistle and somebody gets two or three extra yards, but seven people go to the ground because of it. And it's, it becomes like a rugby scrum. I hate that. I Mm -hmm. wish they'd blow the whistles quicker in those certain plays, but they didn't in the, in the early part of the game and the wake running back got an extra yard and it took seven guys to stop the pile from moving. Well, in this instance, it's the same thing. You don't hear a whistle. It had just happened to you. And Norvell says, we teach them to push back, push back, like, keep pushing them back until you hear a whistle blow. And as they're pushing back, he hears the whistle blow and he throw he, he's throwing them to the ground and it looks like it's too aggressive. But he also didn't seem to like the Byron Turner call. 
um, said that he grabbed him by the shoulder. He grabbed him by the shoulder or the sleeve first, and he's like, "Should we have our hands further down?" Yes, but and then he kind of stopped his thought. So he he made it known without complaining, without outright complaining. He made it known what he thought about a couple of those calls. And we we all know. I don't know if they caught it on the TV, Aslan. Did they show Norvell going after the refs after the Coleman OPI? Yes. It didn't yes. stop. Like he was still yelling at them. Or maybe it was the holding on Casey on Kentron. I don't think so. I think that was the. I think he was fine. Like, and Atkins even said that that it, he admitted on Monday that it was a hold. But I think it was the OPI, the way he was talking about it, or the way he was uh, gesturing with his hands. I thought when I watched him on the sidelines, and I'm telling you, right before the uh, Fitzgerald's field goal to make it 34 to seven before half. So we're talking probably 35 minutes of real time. He was still complaining to the officials about that play and still irate about it, which is kind of cool. Like, don't let it slide. Yeah. And don't just – because if you're just like, oh, we're winning 34-7 to 70 away, what does it matter? That's not a good message to send. It's something that really ticked him off, and he let him know that I don't care that my team is, is uh, you know, has made that an irrelevant call because we're so good. But that was a horrible call, and you and you uh, and you took a 25-yard catch away where we could have scored again, and maybe made this even more of a route. So I, I like that. But yeah, he did make it uh, pretty clear that he was not happy uh, with the officiating, some of the officiating on Saturday. Ideally, only one more year of this, Mike. Ideally, only one more year. Yeah, of this. yeah. Um, hey, good luck trying to get calls at SMU, Mike. <laughs> Good Hello, luck trying man, to get those yeah. calls in Dallas. Man, they're going to love SMU. SMU's not even taking any money from the conference. So they're gonna, SMU's going to get all the calls. Uh, by the way, Jordan Travis, 30 career rushing touchdowns. 30. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. It is. Closing yeah. in on 2,000 rushing yards. 1979 um, rushing yards. Yeah, 30 touchdowns he's had. Seven is a... A season high. He's had seven in 2020, 2021, and last year. So that record might fall. Mm. Um, look at this kid, man. What a dude. How about Adam Fuller? I thought Adam Fuller got a little sassy on Monday. I kind of liked it, though. And with like, okay. uh, it, 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 listen, man, I'm a, I'm a friend of everybody on the beat. Like, I, I in no way, shape, or form ever want to portray anybody on the beat in a poor light. Uh, we are more in the same boat than the, we are the coaches, although everybody seemingly tries to be best friends with coaches, and it's like, yeah, we're not friends with these guys. Uh, Can I interrupt you real quick? Sure, Just because sure. I looked it up, we're going to get right back, so keep your train of thought. Talking try, about you, you, you're you not a friend with Adam Fuller. In fact, you don't like no, him. Oh, stop it. But I just looked it up, nofan.org uh, okay. for life. Uh, Jordan Travis is tied for fourth all-time in rushing touchdowns at Florida State. Do you overall, know, overall. Overall, it's in a career with 30. The two running backs he's tied with are Ampley and Devontae Freeman. Man. I mean, this is crazy. Oh. This is crazy, the career he's had. I mean, it's just nuts. So his next touchdown, he moves into fourth all-time by himself. And then he's got Dalvin Cook, Greg Allen, and Warwick Dunn mm. in front of him. Those mm. are the only three players in the history of Florida State football that have run for more touchdowns than Jordan Travis. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this. He's pretty good with his right arm too. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead, Aslan. Get back to Adam Floor. I just thought that was interesting. I looked it up. He's he's fourth all time in rushing touchdowns for a career. Thank you, Willie Taggart. Hey, buddy, if that's his lasting legacy, uh -huh. other than the turnover backpack, that is a that is a good uh, antidote to the uh, the turnover backpack, which is uh, obviously 
Uh, I, I met somebody. Well, I met someone a few weeks ago that says they know where that is. Oh. Where the turnover backpack is. And I said, well, I told him to bury it or burn it. Um, but yeah, he said he knows where it is. So uh, maybe That's maybe crazy. we can. Crazy. Like, yeah. I'm not saying burn it, but like, why hold on to it? That's crazy. Yeah, nobody can tell me where the big spirit spear is that was from the 80s, in the uh. 70s and 80s, that lit up the 50-foot light-up volume meter that yeah, they had. Yeah, 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 Don't know where that is. Nobody can tell me. But we know where the turnover backpack is, thank God. Anyway, yeah. back to back to Adam Fuller. I hope it's like in a chest. Like, you know, those those wheel, you, you see roadies pushing around expensive amps in, like those black and metal like chrome cases. I hope it's in one mm. of those. Like latched, and you, you open it, and it almost has this aura to it. Just supple leather, right? Um, what a time! You know, I got dunked on for not liking that thing. But anyway, we're not gonna. It's not about me. It's about you guys. Listen to the show. Thanks for being here, everybody. Um, but back to Adam Fuller. Uh, fair questions, uh, maybe poorly worded, but whatever. But you know, I think one of them was kind of asking about the run defense and the numbers they used. And Adam Fuller goes, well, listen, uh, they ran about 50 times for only about two and a half yards of care. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, all right, Adam, I see you. And then he was also asked just about getting into this groove they've been in, how much of it is guys getting more comfortable with him, him being more comfortable with his guys and knowing what to call. He's like, I've always been comfortable. And it's like, oh, yeah. Okay, Adam, I like it. Like, you can walk tall right now. You can stand yeah. tall. I liked it. So, um, this defense continues to thrash inferior opponents, which, I, listen, I'm not, I'm not, maybe I am qualifying, but I'm, I'm not trying to denigrate what they've done. But teams that don't have a lot of options offensively find themselves in misery, drowning in it, in Saturdays when they play against Florida State. So, uh, not everybody's able to do that to their opponents. Uh, and, and Adam Fuller deserves to, you know, not take a victory lap on any of this stuff, but let people know that he believed in himself. He believed in these guys. And now it's paying off with uh, the sort of stifling defense we see out of this team, uh, especially in second halves. So uh, I don't know anything stand out to you from Adam Fuller or did, did, did you see him? Did you, did you take that as like confidence or him asserting himself at all? Well, look on the first part where he was asked about the rush defense, it, you know, I'm not going to out the reporter. I actually like the person. Um, it wasn't worded really well. And I say that as somebody that words questions poorly all the time. Yeah. In fact, my most famous question of the Norvell era only came about because I worded it so poorly the first time. So I'm not, I'm not trying to rip anyone or disparage anyone, but it was basically asked what your, your defensive line, is it playing as well as it should be? Oh, really? And that's how it was worded. Oh, geez. Okay. Uh, that's exactly how it was worded to Mike Norvell. And he's like, in what regards? And then he, and then it was brought up the rushing defense. Mm. And then in this one, it was still worded that way. Like your secondary is putting up great numbers. Uh, your defensive line isn't playing uh, at the level that we would have thought they're playing at. Why is that? Um, and then he said, you know, in regards to the rushing statistics. And mm. that's when Fuller with his, you know, got his, you know, you know, bowed up a little bit, but not, I mean, scoreboard He's pointing at the scoreboard. Yeah. Which he's like, yeah. And he basically is like, look, they ran. And it was just an odd time to ask that because I thought the run defense was other than one run, uh, was pretty exceptional against Wake Forest. I mean, like, like Fuller said, they, they averaged less than three yards to carry on over 50 attempts. And if you take away the 50 yards on one play, which I know you can't do, but if you did that, it was like 50 carries for a hundred yards. That's incredible. That's great. 
So they 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 did play well. So that that was his point. On the second one, yep, and I think he. Uh, I think he would like to go back to and talk to Corey Clark of 2020 and everybody, all all the fans of 2020 and early 21, especially after a certain game and the way it ended and be like, do you see, I'm not a moron. If I have good players, all of a sudden my defense works a little bit better. Isn't it funny how that works? Look who my secondary was in 2020 in 2021. Look, look where it is now though. Like, look where we are now. Do you think it might have something to do with, you know, a Patrick Payton and a Jared Burse and a Braden Fisk rushing a passer and maybe Renardo Green being good and, and healthy, you yeah. know, Fentrell Cypress, Azaria Thomas. Like, there's some reasons we've gotten better. I was always a pretty good defensive coordinator. Now I've got good players to work with, and all of a sudden I look like I've learned football in the last three years when in reality I've always known how to communicate this defense. I've always known how to teach it and coach it. Um, it's just now I'm I've got better players listening to me. You know, and Jorian pretty much said something along the lines of that last week when we spoke to him. And I asked him. By the, the way, do they not love Jorian Jones? Like they how do you love not him? Listen to his interviews. You would love yeah. him too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, they they obviously they they showcase and spotlighted just what he's meant to them and his effort on special teams and everything he's bringing to the program. But last week when I think I asked him just about staying level-headed, staying up, and have they learned to kind of play with, you know, like a level of, of focus and energy week to week? You know, because coach can tell you all that, but you have to buy into it. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, we also got better players now, so that helps too. I mean, like, that yeah. was the first yeah. thing he said off the rip. Yeah. Um, and listen, man, he was part of, he was here when the team was struggling. So, yes. you know, he's kind of maybe lump, not lumping himself in that, but he's pointing out the fact that, you know, the, the entire tide has, has risen this program. So, uh, yeah, it's fair for Adam Florida to say that, and Jarring Jones said it too in, in a much more entertaining way, I thought, last week. You know what's crazy is I was watching, uh, somehow I went down a, my algorithm is a lot of college football on YouTube. I know you'd be surprised about that. And uh, I saw this video about the 100 greatest plays in college football history. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Who put this together? How and long is the video? It's like 50 minutes, but I was fast forwarding yeah. a lot. Right. But there's only like, there's only like three Florida State plays. One of them is the pass to Benjamin. Uh, one is the punt Ruski. And then one is, do you remember, I think it was Brownlee, I couldn't quite see the number, that made a crazy interception in Raleigh a few years ago where he caught it in his legs. Yes. He in the yes. end zone. Yes. He yes. squeezed it in his legs and got his feet down before rolling out of bounds. And that was, according to this person, one of the top 100 plays in college football history. It's it's an incredible, ridiculous, bizarre interception. I get it. It's not one of the 100 best plays, in, but whatever. But I the score of that game when it happened was 35 to 9. NC State was winning 35 to 9. And it's like, look, I know they lost to NC State last year, but it just was another I was like, when were they losing to NC State 35? They're about to go down 42 to 9. When was that? And I think it was 2020. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, good night, man. How bad was that team? How bad was this program? I've said it repeatedly. That was a that was a two win team. That was going to be a two and ten win team that would have been one of the five or ten worst defenses in the country statistically if they had had to play Clemson and Florida that year, which they did not. Um, they got a break like that and they still went three and six. That was such an awful football team. 
and this is such a good football team, and it's just that was just another stark reminder of how far this thing has come. I get it, guys. I know I talk about it all the time. I'm not losing perspective for the rest of my life. We could be it could be 2035, and we're finally about to be out of the grant of rights. I will be in my 60s. Florida State might have won five national championships in the last 14 years, and the stadium is named Mike Norvell Stadium. We all this could be true. I promise you, I'd still be pointing back to like guys. Remember 2020. How bad that team was. Like, don't lose sight of this. I know you're 8-0 and number one in the country, and you're going to make the playoffs again. But don't lose sight of how bad this program used to be. I just, but again, that was just another stark reminder of how awful, awful things were back then. And uh, yeah, Jordan Travis was maybe he wasn't the quarterback that game. That might have been no. a Chubba Purdy joint, right? Yeah, yeah. Chubba led them. To, they outscored NC State 14 to three in the second half to right. make it only a 38 to 22 defeat. Yeah, well, they turned it on. I, I flipped the program that game. Uh, they ran yeah. out of time. They didn't lose. They, People like, yeah, they ran out of time. Exactly right. And look, man, when Bailey Hockman gets going, what are Good you going to do? Good night. What are you going to do? So, right. I mean, it just happened. Uh, left-handed Mahomes. So, uh, so, yeah, that was just – I just saw that the other day. It was like I was just dumbfounded by that we lived through that. And we, we had a show the next night. <laughs> we, we talked about it the next night somehow. We talked about that team for a full year. Um it's unbelievable. And then I mean, where we are now, I'm just, I'm very, very appreciative and excited. I just, I could probably just name five plays off the rip that are exponentially better and more profound than that interception. Like Peter Warwick's punt return against Virginia Tech. Peter Warwick's touchdown in the Sugar Bowl against Virginia Tech. Yeah, that should have been on there. It wasn't. Winky's, Look, Winky's Houdini throw out of the, nope. shot up his goalpost against, you know, to Marvin Menace against Clemson. Well, Jameis's throw to Kitty Shaw in the in the Boston College game, the Hail Mary, because that's what like half God. of them half of them are Hail Marys. Yeah. Um, you know, there are there the the what band was, on the field. What was number one? Do you remember what number the one? Ba- was? Cal Stanford, okay. the band on the field, yeah. and number two was the kick six. Uh, it was a, it was a, actually a good list. I mean, there's a lot of great plays. You yeah. can't get them all, but uh, I wouldn't have included that kind of meaningless intercept. They had the pro throw catch. For Alabama, oh, that where he was caught sick. it against the kids. That's a great play, yeah. but in the in the spirit of the uh, the top hundred plays, I just you know that was against Southern Miss yes. yeah. in a game they I think they lost, didn't they? They didn't win many that year. <laughs> that was 0, that was 07. So uh, yeah. so yeah, man, it was. Uh, but it's it, but the, just seeing that was such a, a a slap in the face of how how bad this program was back then. Not a slap in the face, but just a reminder mm. in a bad one. One that I, I, I try to forget about, and then part of me is like, don't ever forget. Yeah. Uh, we back. Uh, maybe even Corey Clark's back. 2-0 and last week. Mm. Uh, tune in Thursday for more picks from Corey. He's going to put in his six minutes of research again. Not too much, but just enough. No yeah. paralysis by analysis. Giving you folks winners. I'll try to do and the I'm same only as doing, well. And I, you know what? I'm only doing ACC games. Okay. I feel like I have a much better handle, clearly, okay. on the ACC than in the other uh, conference. So I'm going to only do ACC games. Okay. Uh, go to mybookie.ag. Use that promo code WARCHANT for an instant cash deposit bonus when you sign up for the first time. Um, let me see here. I am 4-4 four and four on the year. Corey is 2-6. and six. Close right, the gap. Two and oh. Two and oh, though. Coming, two and oh in my last two. Coming in hot. Two and oh, he's actually trying. So mm-hmm. sky's the limit for our guy. Two games tonight out there for you. Central Michigan hosting Northern Illinois. Uh, Northern Illinois giving out five on the road to Central Michigan. That's interesting. Uh, and then the Buffalo Bulls taking on Toledo Rockets in Glass City. Uh, which I think maybe, I, maybe is Glass City Akron or Toledo. I don't know. Anyhow, Toledo at home, favored by 15 and a half. Mm. Large numbers. Um, but, hey, maybe you have a hunch on that, everybody, if you want to say entertained. 
feel free to peruse it over at MyBookie, MyBookie.ag. Promo code is WarChant. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere at MyBookie.ag. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How about uh, Alex Atkins? Uh, we spoke about Adam Floor, spoke about Coach Norvell. And maybe we also get to John Papuchas, if you will. we got 12 minutes with John Papuchas. Maybe we shouldn't spoil that. Go listen to that interview, everybody, that video. All right. Yep. Please min- do. Yeah, 12 minutes with John. Uh, what Give else us a reason want? to upload it. Go Stop. go watch it. No, and I'm saying it because he he's a good he's a good interview. He's insightful, but it is by far the least watched video we have every week, and it shouldn't be because not only does he get to talk about special teams, which you guys all love, but he's the defensive ends coach too, and he's and he's very insightful. I like the way he answers questions. Um, he's he's obviously truthful. He's kind of cuts to the chase. He's just a good, he's a good interview. He's a he's a good quote. Yeah, well, I mean, everyone's tapped out after 27 from Mike, 13 from Alex, 17 yeah. from Adam. They got to save some room for Jeff and Tom from 1 to 3 o'clock. Yeah, so. you're right. I get it. But now, before you go to bed, just pop on Papuchas for 12 minutes. Just hit the, just play the button so when he goes and looks at it, he's not telling his wife, like, hey, babe, no one's watching me again. I mean, think yeah, about no, it. It's crazy. He like works 20, so hard 000, for you guys. I know he does. I mean, he gets he gets rewarded handsomely with a paycheck every two weeks. But still, he does work hard for you guys. And it's crazy that uh, – and it's not crazy. You should watch it. But that, that Ira and I just talking after the game, who are we? And me being a dummy running down the hill doing an airplane, that'll get like 20,000 views. And my man Papuchas is pulling in one and a half. Come on now, gang. Let's get him up there. This is y'all's week to go shine to make – are you not happy with the special teams? Mm. You got a good punt returner that catches the ball, knock on wood. You've got uh, apparently the next Tamrick Vanover returning returning kicks for you now. <laughs> your your punter is a maestro. He just he makes the ball do whatever he wants inside the ten. Just go go reward the the guy that teach the guy that coaches him. Give him yeah. some views. Give him yeah. some love. Uh, reminder: seven o'clock tonight. Live reaction to the college football playoff poll. Uh, which we anticipate, fully anticipate, Florida State being in the top four. So that's pretty cool. First ever poll that came out, Florida State was on it, and this is the last year of the college football playoff poll, and they will be on it. Alabama won't be in it. Um, Clemson won't be in it. So Mississippi State, Oregon won't be in it. Right. So look at us. It's going to be brand new. It's going to be brand new. Look at our sustainability. We're there when it starts. We're there when it ends, just like the old BCS. So, Uh, But Alex Atkins, what I found most interesting was him uh, really – you know, shining a light, praising, sticking up for Jeremiah Byers. Uh, for whatever reason, Jeremiah Byers somewhat uh, maligned within the fan base. Yeah, you know, maybe not graded the best of everybody that's played. He's like 29th on offense, but that also includes guys like DJ Lundy who've only played two reps. Andre Otto's only played five, so I should have probably whittled it down by people that played at least 200 snaps. But what I found most interesting when him talking about Jeremiah Byers, and I don't think this is shade at anybody at all. I really think it, it underscores the whole best ability is availability because when he talked about Jeremiah Byers and all the things that he mentioned, yeah. like you felt the the you know like the, the passion in his voice, kind of the inflection rise up when he talked about like Jeremiah is just he's always there, like he plays through pain. Everybody else is too, but just seemingly like that consistency out of a guy 
um, that's, you know, hasn't been here, hasn't, you know, put the blood, sweat, and tears that everybody else has, but seemingly is totally bought into doing all that. That, to me, was kind of like the standout moment from Alex Atkins' availability. What stood out to you? Did, did that uh, catch your ears uh, by any chance as well, Corey? Um, yes, it did. Uh, th- that he talked about the availability, uh, that he is getting better. He, and he also said he came in raw, um, which you wouldn't think a guy that's played four years of football, um, college football, would be raw, quote-unquote. But, you know, and I don't think he was trying to be um, insulting to the UTEP coaching staff, but if you're raw after four years at one school, it kind of comes off as like he wasn't getting coached great, um, at least by Alex Atkins, uh, uh, Alex Atkins standards or his opinion. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was telling. Um, and that, uh, you know, he talks about Jordan. He talked about Jordan distributing the ball to other receivers, which was good. He said he, he felt bad for Portier that he, yeah. he apologized to Portier for his guys holding on that play because he would have had a, I don't know what he was talking about. He said he would have gotten gloves. If, if the, if that call, if that catch had stood, cause he mossed the kid, he said he would have gotten gloves. And I wonder, you know, in practice, sometimes Johnny and Keon will wear those bright green gloves, slime gloves. Yeah. 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 I wonder if that's what he, like if you make a play like that in a game, you get to wear those, you get to wear those gloves in practice. Um, mm. but yeah, so, uh, but he apologized for that. He also joked with Jakai that you got to get your pay, pick your feet up if you want to go score a touchdown. Um, and yeah, he's just, you, you can tell how confident he is in this offense. Um, I don't think this offensive line is exceptional. Um, I think it's decent. It's probably not quite as good as we thought it would be when the season started, but I also think it's starting to play better. Um, I thought in the, in the, in the second half against Duke, it was very good. And then I thought it was good all game against Wake. Like I said yesterday, they didn't run for a ton of yards, but I thought there were holes there they were just missing, just getting clipped from from you know a three-yard run becoming a 15-yard run or a 30-yard run. I just thought the offensive line looked more like what I thought they were going to look like the last, uh, you know, let's say, six quarters of the, uh, uh, of the season. So that's good. That's a positive. And, yeah, overall, you know, he's always, he's always praising – uh, Jordan Travis, which rightfully so, that guy we just said, well, he's accounted for, uh, I think he's accounted for 92 touchdowns in his career, 30 on the ground, one more pass, Aslan, I just looked this up, one more passing touchdown for Jordan Travis, he passes Chris Ricks, uh, and, and ah. moves, in, moves into third all-time in that category. Bittersweet, bittersweet. How about my man is going to be number four in Florida State history in rushing touchdowns, and number three in passing touchdowns? At Florida State. Incredible, man. It's nuts, man. It's nuts. So, again, you know, you knock on wood that he stays healthy and that let's appreciate this dude for the last four, five, six, seven games you get to watch him because this really is. He is putting together. He is finishing off what has become a historic career at Florida State. I know he got an extra year than everybody else. I know he's essentially been starting since 2020 here and there. But for a guy that was kind of an afterthought, uh, certainly by Willie Taggart, certainly by the Louisville staff that came in. For him to turn into this guy where we hope he gets invited to New York, that would be really cool. It's it's neat to see. But my man is going to be top five all time in rushing touchdowns at Florida State and passing touchdowns. Pretty remarkable. Uh, last thought on Alex Atkins. What do you think about – he mentioned this about Jeremiah Byers, and I forgot who else, but he said that some of these players, they're learning to approach – like to get better by playing in games. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, where do you think that comes from? What do you, how do you interpret that to mean? Like, is, is that like a level of maturity to 
you know, I don't know, em- embrace the urgency of what a game rep means and how important it can be into your development? What, what did you take away from that? From the you talk about the offensive lineman or just in I think general, he, he said about Jeremiah Byers for sure, but then he mentioned about somebody else and my, I don't know if it was Kentron or Jakai or somebody younger, but like I I know for sure he talked about Jeremiah Byers learning to use games as an opportunity to get better, which is like that's the way you would talk about practice. So like I don't know if there's anything to it or just no, but I mean I think I think they're also realistic. Norvell talked about it too, like they're realistic. You you obviously improve in practice, like you, you do your most improving from whatever Sunday to Friday. That's where you, that that's just where you get bigger, better. You learn the scheme. You 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 learn where to make your cut, or you, where to where to put your hands when you're blocking. All that stuff. You you rep it so much, but it is different when you get into a game. There are some things that you can't learn a hundred percent until you get into a game. I thought Norvell brought up a really good point about Jalen Early. Um, so late in the game, I didn't realize what had happened. But Jalen Early, when they had they had, I think they had second and two, and then Tate somehow gets to delay a game, which is incredible. And then uh, after they run the ball, and then Jalen Early gets a 15 yard penalty for a uh, uh, personal foul and sportsmanlike conduct. Well, what he was doing was they were laying on the running back, so they were laying on Kaziah, I think, had the ball, and the defenders were just laying on him. Jalen Early didn't like that; he was mad at him because they wouldn't get up off him, so he pulled one off him which it's, it's a great sentiment to have, like he's trying to help out his teammate, but it's a penalty. You can't pull people off a pile. You can't grab people and yank them off a, a, a ball carrier. So he got a 15-yard penalty, and Norvell's point was, look, it didn't matter in this game. We, we were already up. The game was over. But he might be a starter next year or the year after that. And when that happens again, he'll remember not to do it. He'll know. He has that experience now. He will not do that again because he just did it. And he did it in a game. And that's so, there are some things you can just learn by being in a game. And I thought Atkins was really, um, again, enlightening about when it comes to twists. He was talking about twists and stunts that Wake Forest was running. And he's like, look, man, and he go, I guess Pitt does some too. He's like, look, these guys have played so much football. There's nothing they haven't seen anymore in a game. They've seen everything. It's just a matter of reacting quick to it. But you, you don't start reacting quick in game speed until you play games like you you can't you can get 80 percent there or 90 percent there whatever percentage you want you can't get to the quickest you just don't know until you do it in, in a game it's just different and anybody that's played sports knows that a practice with your buddies it's just different than playing another team with guys you don't know that have good players too and i was speaking more about my personal experience in high school but you guys all know what i'm talking about it can be wreck ball it's just different in practice in a game and so Getting these guys these reps is really important for the development of the program. And, and Adam Fuller talked about that a lot too, right? He said, you know, we play 21 guys. He's like, that. that's not just for the end of the – it's not just for the end of the game, trying to keep people fresh, and it's not just for the end of the season. It's also for the program. Like getting them better for the development of the program, and that's when you know you're developing a good program is when you can play that many guys and feel good about it. I don't think I answered the question, but I don't care. It's, it's fine. It was about five minutes. That was good. We needed that. Yeah, we um, needed to do that. Corey Clark's playoff top four. Uh, hmm. Again, 7 o'clock live reaction show. Am I on that? Who's doing that? I don't know. I, we're not doing a live show for Wake Up or Chant this week, most likely everybody, due to my travel plans to Pittsburgh. So I was like, well, I guess Corey and I can host it on Tuesday and then make that the podcast. But that, I don't know, it might be too specifically driven into one factor and then to spin that off as the only thing for your podcast on Wednesday would maybe be a little bit light. Um, all that in a roundabout way to say you 
probably will be on it though, Corey. Uh, but okay, Ira okay. for sure, Gene for sure. Okay. So uh, we'll get everybody's opinions on it. So I don't know, but let's go ahead and spoil it. Um, who do you got your top four? I mean, my top four is not. It's it's the AP top four. Although I, I probably have Michigan one, Georgia two, Ohio State three. Maybe this this is me projecting what I think it's going to be, not mine. Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, Florida State. I think Ohio State's wins against Notre Dame and Penn State will just be more appealing to this committee than LSU and Duke. Yeah, Sorry. probably. And Clemson keeps losing, so that doesn't help. By the way, they got Notre Dame at home this week. Yeah, and no Jordan Shipley, most likely. Or Will Shipley. Sorry, Will Shipley. Did you see that poor kid, man? He, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it? he's been run into the ground. He yeah. has been run into the ground. Um, look, I, I, I think my top four right now would be – Is this your Jordan? top four or what do you think yes. it's going to be? No, my okay, top four, okay. if I was doing it, would be Georgia. Um, again, they're, they're undefeated. They've looked great. Uh, the past few weeks, like they have really uh, ramped it up a little bit, uh, not playing great opponents. It would appear uh, what's their best win. I don't even know what their best win is. Is it Kentucky? They're, they're about to play some teams though, man. No, like they are. Their you schedule know, they has play, been very, yes, it's, it's backloaded for sure. Backloaded, but they play uh, at Ole Miss and at Tennessee. Yes. Oh, maybe they, and they and got they Missouri Mis- and they have Missouri, they have Missouri at home this week. So yeah. they're playing, uh, you know, three top 15 ish teams in a row. Uh, so we'll, but so it, again, that's why I stress, it doesn't matter here on Halloween, by the way, happy Halloween, everyone. Yeah. Um, don't try, don't try to scare the kids, mm. you know, don't, don't try. And I'm talking about the six year olds. Don't, don't yeah. the people that wear your Freddie masks with, with blood everywhere. I mean, come on now, let's, let's be, let's be good neighbors. Um, but, uh, so I would have Georgia one, Michigan two, either though, neither one of them have anything close to as good a win as Florida state. I just think, especially Michigan, has been so dominant in every game they've played. Uh, they cheat, I get it, but they've been so dominant. So I would have Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Ohio State would be my would be my top four. Okay. okay. I'm trying to work it, Aslan, where I, if Florida State makes the playoff, just if. get to New Orleans. Get to New right. Orleans. Right. How is that going to happen? Because if Georgia's number one, they're going to pick New Orleans. So you're going to want to be. You get to pick. Is that how yes, it works? Yeah. If you're number one, you get you get your choice. Okay. Um, so Georgia would be number one. So they would get they would obviously pick New Orleans. So you want to be four in that instance. Okay. And I'm just talking about you also like you're just not going to have a ton of fans out in California for a game that if they win, they have another they have a bigger game a week later. And if they lose, you didn't want to be all the way out in California anyway. Yeah, but you so, you wouldn't rather play Michigan in California than Georgia. Like you think the the travel. I'm talking specifically, a... yeah, and I'm talking specifically about my wants. Okay. As far as traveling. Oh, okay. I thought, but yeah. what about winning a football game? Wouldn't you? Would you? Do you think it's better to travel lesser distance and play yes. a, a greater opponent? Than I don't a... because I don't know. I'm not convinced that Georgia's greater than Michigan. I, okay. I, I'm not convinced about Georgia. I think they've looked really good here lately. But again, we'll see how they finish out this. But I, my point being, Florida State isn't scared of anyone. They shouldn't be. Mm. And you're, if you're, you, the odds are you're gonna have to beat Georgia anyway. Knock them out in New Orleans, and you get to be in New Orleans. But so, yeah, I would think so. Florida State needs to be at four. Florida State needs to either Georgia lose, and then because if Georgia loses, Michigan becomes number one, and they would choose the Rose Bowl. So then Florida State would be the two seed, and they would get the next choice, and they would choose obviously New Orleans. Well, they wouldn't even get a choice. It's not like there's any other choice to go. So Michigan would choose the Rose Bowl, so Florida State would get to New Orleans. So I either want Georgia to lose, which would be fine. They've already won two national titles in a row, or Florida State to somehow be number four when the uh, when the 
playoff seedings are announced in a, what, a month, five weeks, six weeks from now. Is it an easier flight from Ann Arbor to Pasadena or just think the history of the Big yeah, Ten and I, I the, think Rose the Rose Bowl? Bowl, the Big Ten Rose Bowl and all that, I think they would rather I think they'd rather be out in California. I don't know if the I Rose think, Bowl right? committee would like cut them a check on the side illegally, like, hey guys, please come out here. Like we'd rather have you guys out here. Um Yeah, interesting. Interesting thoughts, Corey. I I, I don't necessarily disagree with it, but something wh- to think about now, do, right? When do you think we would get to New Orleans? Like, say Florida State's in that playoff game. Like, we're not – I don't even know. Let's say the game is on a Saturday. I don't even know when it is. Um, I'm not looking that far ahead, but I kind of am. Like, do we it's get, on New Year's Day, so it's going to feel like a Saturday anyway. Like, do we get there four or five days beforehand? I mean, because this is like a bowl game, right? I mean, Florida State's yeah. not going to practice in Tallahassee and then get on a bus the day before. They're going to they're gonna practice for days, I would I, think, I, in New I don't, But I don't know. And you're talking to someone that hasn't had a reason to know. Because this hasn't come up in eight but, years. But what, you, it, you don't remember was, you did this though. When did Florida State go to Pasadena for the Oregon game? I, mean, was, I feel like we were there for New Year's Eve. So I, yeah, we definitely were because it was a New Year's Day game. I feel like it was, yeah, probably five days. But ooh, I, let's go five days in New Orleans. Let's go. I, but I don't know like if they would do that now because they. Why I just not? feel like I feel like they would treat it like a road game almost uh, if they were allowed to. Which I don't they think might you're, not be you're allowed. No, I don't think you're allowed yeah. to. You got to be there for for fun functions and all that kind of stuff. So like I would media think they day would probably and, yeah. get there. Obviously not. I don't think they'd be there Christmas, but they would probably leave on the 26th to go over there. Oh, yeah, I'm so, so, can I say aroused? Is that all right? Is that FCC? I, one? Hey man, it's fine? fine. It is fine. Right. It is fine. All right. Again, seven o'clock. Uh, so I, we're, I guess we're going to be watching it side by side live as it happens. So it's not so much a reaction show as it is like competing programming. So take that ESPN. We're coming for your ratings. And, and your we sponsors. also understand we're it's way too early to be talking about any of this. I'm not trying to jinx anything. And the fact that I mentioned it right now eliminates any talk of a jinx. If you acknowledge that you might be jinxing how a team is playing, you're not jinxing the team. Those are the rules. What percentage of the people listening to this you think are, are mildly upset that we're talking about it and do think we're jinxing it versus the percentage of people that are confident that Florida State will figure out a way to prevail the next four weeks in whatever form or fashion that looks like to, to be one of the last four standing. I would think there's probably 1% of people that thinks we're jinxing it. They might they might think we're talking about it too soon, which I agree. Well, what percentage um, of that then? Is that still 1%? Probably, I'd say 20%. Ooh, probably okay. think, why don't you slow it down? You still got to play four more games in the regular season and win Two an of ACC your rivals. championship. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. so slow it down a little bit with all your talk about where right, you want to be seated for the playoffs. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. All right, we're done. But we're going to be at practice, watching, observing, interviews, stories. And then if you don't feel like reading, which I think most of you do, because you're subscribers to WarChant.com, and you're there for Ira and Corey and Tom's insight, Michael Langson's recruiting updates along with Matt Lasser. Tune in to Seminole Headlines, infotainment. It's informational. It's entertaining. It's Seminole Headlines, 1 to 3 o'clock live on WarChant TV. That's our YouTube channel, which, come on, y'all, subscribe. We're, about, we're like 26... 28 subscribers away from 40,000, Corey. Unbelievable. Love all you folks. Totally free to do that. Um, So tune in for that. We'll have our podcast, and um, we might steal the playoff live reaction and make that the crux of the show, but we'll see. Who knows? So many, so many options out there when you're covering a top flight football team. Uh, And we got top flight folks listening to us. We appreciate all of you. Hit the thumbs up on the way out. Subscribe. He's Corey Maslow. Thank you for listening to Wake Up War Champ. Presented by the Corner Pocket Barn Grill.